Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, Brian Christopherson from Husker 24-7 joins us uh, on this uh, Tuesday morning. Good morning, BC. Hey, guys. I uh, enjoyed hearing Sleepwalk uh, the last segment. La Bamba was a big hit in the Christopherson household growing up. <laughs> Did you have any, uh, I mean, were you more of just a fan of the song La Bamba? Did you have any other bangers that the you... entire catalog. Liked? Did you worship the entire catalog? Uh, I, Richie Valens, was he like, he was 16 when he died, wasn't he? Um, if yeah. you think about a few of the hits he had... Donna? Um, yeah, Come On, Let's Go, yeah. plus La Bamba. I mean, he had three or four. I know this all because of the movie La Bamba. Mm-hmm. You know um, both. Blue Diamond Phillips, but uh, it convinced me we lost the guy who would have put out a record, record number of hits for us. He was 17. Yep. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Buddy Holly. But the the actual song, Sleepwalk, is is a great song, and my brother and I used to occasionally scream Richie at each other for no reason. And no <laughs> one <laughs> Were you just yelling, Richie! Yeah. Oh, we'd do it in our high school lobby, and the uh, administration <laughs> would hate that. <laughs> Brian, I really want to hear you do this sometime. Yeah, I I will do it sometime. Okay. Maybe if we're like on a golf course or yeah. something. Like if you miss a putt or something, you just yell out Richie. Yeah, or in someone's <laughs> backswing if it's a scramble. I think you can get away with that stuff in a scramble. I love it. Uh, we, yes. we we belong together. I should add that Barry Manilow just announced that he's going to come to Omaha in July Ooh. at the age of eighty for his final oh. concert. I don't I don't mind Barry Manilow either. I'll be yeah. honest, but. Uh, the, the scene in La Bamba where Richie's like, well, well, well. Oh, yeah, the takes. Like yeah, I mean, that's, 50 that's takes. great. I didn't hear a cinema. difference in that's one great of them. Cinema. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's enough about it. I love it. No, we might, no, have, we might is... have a new part of uh, every week we talk to you. Let's yeah. just break down a movie from the 80s. Yeah. Well, we Maybe. can go for that. Right. Lou Diamond was in La Bamba and the Young Guns back-to-back years. So it's true. Those are a couple of Those bangers. are great movies. It's kind of special sometimes to talk about something where you think like, Maybe one fifth of the audience is in on it, but that one fifth that's in on it loves it. Like yes. they're really in on it with you. That's always kind of a nice moment to share with people. Yeah. <laughs> See, Blue Diamond Phillips is now sixty-one. While he aged. Wow. Yeah. yeah. They need to do a Young Guns reunion too. Mm. No, no. I think I think can Lou Diamond Phillips get into other sorts of acting at some point, or is that a rumor? I don't. I don't want to really go there, but. Oh wait! I what? Could, Oh, was he doing a different genre? I didn't think that's so. frowned I upon. Could be, I could be. I could be wrong. I, 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 don't, I don't want to throw it. Okay, well, I, I, I better check that out on my my non. All right, there's going to be a two segment conversation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll have a follow up on that one. Don't worry. Anyway, anyway, anyway. anyway I don't hey, uh, okay. <laughs> Let, let's start with basketball. So, monster game Thursday night. Nebraska with a win does what for the resume? With a loss, does what to the resume? Well, a loss doesn't like hurt the resume that much, but I'll tell you what, you, you kind of need that lift now. I mean, they dropped to low 60s. I didn't see what the net was today. 59. Um, 59, okay. So, you you know, you were up at like 46 or so. 
Um, obviously, they haven't figured out the road puzzle, but um, now we're in this weird uh, segment where we're talking about, okay, what if they only won like one road game? Or what if yeah. they won none, but they won all these impressive home games? What would that mean? How would a committee look at that? And I don't know what the answer is to that, but I do know if you stacked um, a Wisconsin quad one win as a team that suddenly in the last week or two people are talking about as like, hey, they could be like Final Four legit, um, along with Purdue, you'd have you'd have quite a quite a couple of nice pelts on your wall um, if you held serve and got to like ten or eleven wins in the conference. So it would be. Uh, it would be enormous. I mean, it, it would be, uh, I think, almost up there with the Purdue win. Maybe not quite there, but it's just same table. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're going to have to, um, and they have done this at home, uh, they're going to have to get all five attacking the glass like nobody's business. They're going to have to be in full like chaos mode on defense where they're scrambling, and even if Wisconsin is getting some looks from three, there's always a hand that's right there. Um, you know, Bryce Williams is going to have to have a great, I think, game as a maybe an on-the-ball defender on Chucky Hepburn, who got entirely too comfortable at, last time they played a month ago in Madison. So there's all sorts of things they have to do a lot better. And certainly, um, you know, they've had a couple of days to sort of lick their wounds behind the scenes from what happened at Maryland. And the one thing they will do have going for them is you have to think they're they're confident when they step into PBA. It's just been a different team. It's like they, they put on a, a suit of armor and they, they feel really good about themselves and they, they have an energy on offense and the defensive end that they just haven't been able to match on the road. And, and Brian, I'm, I'm always trying to go at it that way as far as at home they're just a different team. The, the, the part about the game against Maryland – that was concerning was full court pressure that all of a sudden just turned them so discombobulated. Yeah. And I mean, it just, it, it was, it was, it was sloppy. It was ugly. So I'm, I'm trying to, again, assume that they'll have it all sort of figured out no matter what Wisconsin wants to throw at them to kind of break them off balance. I, th- there's just something about the way Nebraska matches up with Wisconsin, either on the road or at home that I, I don't know, this one still feels a little bit different and I know that says a lot because I think I had more confidence with the Purdue game, not necessarily that they'd win, but they would be able to maybe hang in there. Maybe I'm too fixated on how Wisconsin's playing right now in that game in, in Madison. I don't know. To me, are you, are you, do you feel any different no. about this game, or do you still have the same confidence as, a, as Nebraska at home should be able to, to be okay? No, I have the same reservations you do, uh, Nick. Um, it's because Wisconsin is getting it from every spot right now, mm-hmm. and so – um, that's what makes them so scary. I mean, you got to deal with the wall and crowl thing. Um, Chucky, just like I said, felt completely comfortable against Nebraska last game, kind of operated on his terms. Um, you know, Storr has become a really good player, and, and Klesmid is like, will have these games where he's on fire. You know, you're kind of following it. You're either watching it or following on social media with the Wisconsin writers. And it's like different names are flipping up yeah. every every game. It's like this guy's on fire. He has 15 in a row. And I mean, they're just that kind of roster right now where you feel like uh, there's six or seven guys who can really burn you. Uh, I didn't even get to a guy who doesn't really play for him that much, but went off was a siege and yep. Connor siege went off for 12 against Nebraska mm-hmm. last time and hit four threes. So um, that's where you get nervous about it. Have a really good plan and do a nice enough job on wall or somebody like that. But then somebody burns you for 21 
and then this guy over here gets 15. And so um, I don't feel great about it, um, but you know what? I showed up to the gym the night they played Purdue, and I was not expecting anything to happen. Um, you know, I really wasn't. Uh, that was after kind of a downer moment. You wondered where things were headed, and uh, they just came up, came out on fire. And, um, you know, it's going to have to be one of those games, too, where maybe someone does something special. You know, Rink obviously did it last home game with the 34, but uh, sometimes to pull off a win like this, uh, everybody's got to play well, and then you need that guy who has like 25. You know, he just he feels it. So whether that's Casey or somebody, uh, we shall see. C.J. Wilcher's playing really well, too. Uh, even, even Saturday, he played well. Brian Christopherson from Husker 24-7 joining us. I agree. C.J. was really the only thing they had going uh, offensively. I, I I give a lot. I mean, Greg Gard's got to be in the running for National Coach of the Year. They started 1-2. and two. Yeah. They weren't ranked. They beat Marquette, and they've taken off. And in the past when we've watched Wisconsin, it's a tough watch because they have this plodding offense. And then they get after you defensively. Well, they're moving the ball up and down the floor. They're shooting it really well. You just rattled off the guys, and they have more depth of scores. They're averaging 76 points. So with that said, you know, PBA, sometimes opposing offenses come in there, and outside of Creighton, they can't find any rhythm. And Nebraska makes it a plodding game, and Nebraska hits some shots in key situations, and they find a way, even if they're giving the ball away, to stay on top. So I think this game will be closer than most believe um, because of Nebraska at home and the energy they will have in this game. But last possession, Nebraska needs a bucket. The ball is in whose hand? You know what? I still stick with the answer I've had all year, and it's it's Bryce Williams. And um, I know they had the... um, sort of the calamity at the end of the, I guess it was a Rutgers game. Uh, they had two bad sessions in a row at the very end of regulation. But I think some of that was guys didn't clear out or, or they left too early, actually, uh, when Bryce was going to drive in that, that game. I just like Bryce because he does feel comfortable enough with the ball in his hands because he plays the point for him a decent amount. Um, he's got that 6-7 length, so he can kind of get his mid-range shot or he can get to the rim. And he can also create for someone else uh, off the drive and kick it out. So I kind of like Bryce in that setting. I think Hoiberg does too from just some of the stuff they've drawn up the couple times they've been in those moments. Mm-hmm. So that's my answer. Uh, but obviously, um, you know, the good thing about this Nebraska team is they, they had a bad, bad, bad day and they've, they've been rough on the road. But, um, you know, you're 15 and 6 and you got a monster opportunity Thursday and you do have guys um, on that offensive end who who can get it going. And it's not just one or two guys like we've seen some years. It's three or four guys. You know, we've seen Mass mm-hmm. do it. We've seen Bryce have his moments. Casey has actually had two games where he hasn't been in double digits after having like six or seven in a row where it looked like it was rolling. So maybe he gets it back. Um, Wilter, obviously. So that's, that's where you give him a shot. Mm-hmm. You know, if Nebraska can have two or three guys sort of uh, hot at the same time, uh, you have a night where you hit, you know, 12 or 13 three-pointers, and you you knock the turnover number down. That was the ridiculous stat Saturday, yeah. guys. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was 18 turnovers to 17 made field goals. And if you look at those 18 turnovers, there were like six or seven where it's just like silly giveaways, yeah. you know, just like, here you go. And so uh, you can't have any of that um, on Thursday to have a shot in this one. Brian, on the, on the flip side, and more maybe on a positive note, because we've seen him play in different spots here as of late. 
We think of the bench production, obviously, C.J. Wiltshire, Sam Hoiberg are going to come to mind, but all of a sudden, Eli Rice, we're starting to see in some spots, too. It, I, I've, just, I've, I've liked what he's been able to give Nebraska in the role that he's played, and especially when you get into February right now, and you start looking at, at guys that might be able to kind of string some of those important minutes, even if it's in a two- or three-minute spurt. You starting to see something there with Eli Rice? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think he's been growing on the defensive end all year, and that's uh, still a work in progress, but um, he's one of those guys who uh, you put the ball in his hands, and he could be have been on the bench for 23 minutes, you know, like mm-hmm. he was, I think, against Kansas State. And he comes in, and there it is. There's a shot. Okay, I'll take it. Knocks it down. Yeah. Uh, I think he hit one against Michigan State similar. It just feels like um, his first touch or first drive, whenever he gets in a game, is always uh, very efficient and at a high level for a guy who's been sitting over there a bit. They've been working him in earlier in the you know first 10 minutes or so the last few games, so maybe that continues, but... Yeah, I love the confidence he has. He's another guy who I think over time is going to figure out more ways to get the kind of shots he wants. Mm-hmm. He can get to the rim better than maybe I even knew he could, um, you know, where he draws contact and stuff like that. So I think you have to be really encouraged by uh, what he's done, and he's accepted his role, and uh, he's sort of worked his way into a tough rotation to work your way into. I mean, there's some guys at the beginning of this year we thought might be important and they're not in the rotation now, like, you know, Boogie Coleman and and guys like that. And Eli Rice is there. He's not like the first guy off the bench, but he's the third or so. And and that that could be important here in this last month or two. He's going to have to hit a big shot or two. There's no doubt about it. If Nebraska pulls off an upset, they'll have on the resume that nobody else in the league would have would be Purdue and Wisconsin. Northwestern has Purdue, Illinois. Um, but they've already lost to Wisconsin. They don't play them again. Hey, let's shift to football. Rank these from one to three, one being the most important when it comes to Glenn Thomas. Okay. Quarterback development, recruiting of quarterback, game plan design. Mm, those are good. Um, I'm going to say quarterback development, one. Game plan design, two. Recruiting, three. I think if you do the first two well, the third one takes care of itself. So it's kind of it's cheating. Um, but it's a good I'm not. No, no, I, 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 I agree with you. And I agree with the last part that if you take care of the first two, then recruiting will be okay. Because yeah. I'm looking. So one of the, and why I bring this up is, you know, Nebraska and Iowa both will have new OCs. You know, I, Nebraska yeah. will have a co. But they're both going to be quarterback coaches. And the discussion about the development of quarterbacks but then even more so recruiting quarterbacks because we are in a little bit of a stretch here where there could be some Big Ten starting quarterbacks that are in your own neighborhood within the 500-mile radius that both Nebraska and Iowa are going to be going after. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and it you know they do need to stock up depth and still think about that 25 QB in the class. Um, but, you know, if, if they're doing a good job developing Dylan and Danny over there, um, and, and people see it this first year, they'll have options. Whether it's whether it's a high school recruit or if you're saying like, okay, we got to, you know, you, you get some guy who's trying to kind of revive his career. And then we're, we all know where the difficult part in this is with recruiting at the QB spot now. There's people looking in saying, well, you've got your guy, you yeah. know, for the next yep. three or four years. So um, that's an obvious, like, hurdle. We can't just pretend like, isn't there it is like if i'm a if i'm a recruit and i'm thinking about it i'm like well 
there's quite a lot of fanfare about that guy. With the, the trumpets are very loud. I, I don't know if I want to go over there when everybody's talking about Ryle and he's got four years of eligibility. So um, that is something they're going to have to work around. But I do think uh, there is that type of player out there who will need an opportunity. <clears throat> and uh, if Nebraska is playing well on offense or better on offense and the QB spot is looking good, um, that you can you can find another guy to put into that puzzle um, down the road. So I'm not that worried about that part. But back to your question, yeah, QB development. And uh, I guess the thing I like the most about Glenn Thomas, um, you know, resume when he's been with Rule and why it felt like kind of a no-brainer, let's see how this goes higher, is if you look at the touchdown-interception ratio, um, when he had guys like Charlie Brewer and um, P.J. Walker at Temple, it was good. It was solid. He had one year where it was like 3-1 to one touchdown INT ratio, and one year, you know, mm-hmm. most of the years it was like 2-1. to one. So I like that after uh, watching a 10, to, I think it was like 10-18 to 18 year or whatever it was <laughs> this last season, which is unbelievable to say. Uh, you know, and, and kind of on the other side of, of that part, with Marcus Satterfield, and we've s- talked sometimes about the impact in the tight end room. Where, ultimately, where, where do you think Nebraska, if they're to make the biggest jump of the tight ends under Marcus Satterfield, how will that look? And will it be maybe a certain player, or is it the group collectively? Like, where do you, where do you see that room being able to go from, you know, from a ceiling standpoint under Marcus Satterfield? Um, I've gone on the record with this and this is the point I drive home. I think this is good for Marcus Satterfield first off this whole deal. And, um, maybe I've said this on here before, but, um, some people would say, well, why isn't that a demotion if you're going from OC to co-OC? And I guess, but I, I feel like last year was going to be difficult for whoever was in the chair that he sat in to have success and to be viewed in a positive manner sort of by the results on the field because the quarterback situation was so dicey. Then you stack up the, the injuries they had at uh, the skill spot. Uh, it was going to be challenging, and yet all the arrows kind of went toward him um, like in the weekly conversations, right? I mean, how many, you, you guys could speak on it as – being radio hosts, like how much conversation there people would have about Satterfield or want to call in about him and all this stuff. And I'm not saying that that position, that guy shouldn't uh, take some barbs when things don't go well, but I think there's something to be said um, for, it has always felt like rule has sort of a spread out. Everybody just does their job and we're all in on this together sort of operation. And I think this maybe gets the narrative more on that a little bit outside the walls. And I do think that matters because it does get loud around here when things don't go well. And I, I think it can be a useful thing um, that, like, the weight is sort of more evil, evenly distributed. You know what I mean? Like, with, with this, the way the titles are. So I like that part of it, first of all. And I would feel like it could be good for guys' peace of mind who are over there coaching. Um, beyond that, they want to be a positionless offense. They talk about it all the time. And what position in football is more like uh, tied into that right now than tight end and like finding these hybrid guys who you move all over the place. Sometimes they're in the backfield, sometimes they're a receiver, whatever. Old school tight ends at points. And he's got a wide mix of guys to work with. He has professed how much he loves that position and trying to do stuff to get it going. And so now to like that's an, a specific assignment for him every day and to get to know those guys even 
closer maybe um i think is a really is is probably a really good deal for him and let's not forget it was what he was probably going to do the first year except things didn't quite work out with an, uh, another hire i agree bc as always thank you i enjoyed it have a uh, good week and uh we'll uh, look forward to a thursday night at pba all right thanks a lot guys it's uh brian christopherson all the energy nebraska fighting freddy's into thursday i know there's a game in champagne you're seven and forty-two on the road. All the energy to Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Win that game. That might overcome weak non-conference strength of schedule, and maybe might overcome just one or two wins on the road. Yep. If you have Purdue and Wisconsin on your list, and remember, Nebraska's also running out of some quad one opportunities, mm-hmm. um, especially at home. Uh, you have those on your resume. Yeah. That's a good thing. So all energy on Thursday. And then let's go to Champagne. There's yeah. my advice. I'm I'm not a coach. I just play one on the radio. <laughs> but that's what I would give you. Because that's a huge game for Nebraska. Huge, huge, huge opportunity for Nebraska to buy you some time. And that's the key part of it, buy it. Because if it doesn't go well on Thursday, you look at Champagne, you look at Evanston, and then you even circle back to last Saturday. Uh, then all of a sudden, as they return home against Michigan, which is a sellout, by the way, you're starting to talk about this team a little bit differently. And all of a sudden, there's maybe some panic. There's a sense of urgency that hopefully is already there with this team. But Because, because of the timing, Wisconsin, to me, is a bigger win than Purdue. I agree. That gets I on your resume. 100% agree. Yep. But you're not. You're, you're already out. Yeah, I don't like it. Okay. I don't like the game on Thursday, especially right. if Juwan Gary's not playing. I do not like this game. Yeah, timing, sad. timing is everything, and when a win falls when you need a win, Wisconsin would be more important in my book be. than Purdue. Yep. By a shade. By a shade. All right, uh, Andy Kennedy's still to come uh, before we're out of here on 1620 The Zone. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.